think what I see is the desire to be liked Mm -hmm. is so strong. And, you know, you'll hear me say this all the time about like any strength out of balance becomes a weakness. Mm. Any focus where you're over-focused becomes it's it's blind spot. So I think, again, there's some self-awareness that has to happen here. But as a result of wanting to be liked, what I see women doing is signing up for things that aren't going to, you know, be as valued mm-hmm. as their male counterparts. That's mm-hmm. a thing where I'll do the potluck. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> people are going to like me and mm-hmm. it makes me feel good to be liked. But that effort while people may appreciate it, is not going to be valued as much. I think you also find that desire of wanting to be liked where bad decisions get Mm -hmm. made because your intent is for them to like you and you think that you're going to achieve that by doing whatever the ask is. Mm -hmm. Whatever the ask is, isn't always the best decision. Mm -hmm. And so again, this it's, it's where we use this mechanism that we've been conditioned to believe helps Mm -hmm. us be successful. Mm -hmm. And it's actually doing the exact opposite for Mm. us. Fierce Lab is a podcast series for women. It's powered by the Tara Wilson Agency, the agency that gets women. It's a space to focus on our whole selves, from mental health to career development to financial intelligence. To be fierce is to be confident, capable, and strong. Fierce Lab offers inspiration, tools, and community. It's where we can explore new ideas and encourage discovery. Here, trying something new is celebrated. No one has it all figured out, but together, we can step fiercely into what's next. On today's episode of Fierce Lab, I sit down and speak with Kate Tonda, Senior Director at Walmart in the Learning and Development Department. Today, we're talking about having challenging conversations at work. We go into Kate's concept of vent to invent. We talk about that the most important decisions in your career are made when you're not in the room. And we talk about the fact that feedback is a gift. This is a really compelling conversation with tremendous tips on how to work through challenging conversations both up and down the org chart. Take a listen. Let me know what you think. Shoot me a DM over on Instagram at Fierce Lab. Kate, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad you're joining me here in studio. You made the drive over to see me. And so it's always so much fun to work with someone in person for these podcasts. I feel like we get so much great energy. So it's good to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much again. I've been looking forward to this since the day that you brought it up. Oh, so. right. Well, <laughs> you know, I noticed um, f- for our listeners, I used to work with Kate when she was at Samsung. Um, I did several projects with her. And since that time, since she's left, we've just continued to stay in touch and have lunch. And Kate, when we get together for lunch, like the nuggets that you provide me about how you've developed your career and coached teams and been coached have really been impactful. And so when I was thinking about guests for this summer, I immediately thought of you. Oh, I love that. Well, I enjoy our lunch and I enjoy having someone that's willing to listen to all the things (laughs) that I want to say and share. (laughs) Well, it works out well for both of us. (laughs) So we got together, oh, maybe like four weeks ago Mm -hmm. or so and had a quick lunch. And it really, this conversation and the topic developed organically. And I felt like given that you are such a seasoned professional, the things that you have learned and and the skills that you've developed through your career would be really beneficial. So before we kind of go there, for our listeners, tell us what it means to be in the learning development Mm -hmm. department, what what that is, and as a senior director, what is your role? Yeah, absolutely. So it's interesting because learning and development is one of those spaces that when I originally got into it, which seasoned is a nice way to put it, 17, (laughs) 17 years ago, it was very, very different than what I think it's become over the last almost two decades. So originally, it would be like, hey, you're a subject matter expert, mm-hmm. and it seems like you did 
you like to be in front of people, you know, so do you want to be a trainer kind of thing? Uh Um, And now I think that the acuity, the understanding of brain science, how people learn has just evolved so tremendously that now I really see the learning and development space as a functional team in any organization that's made up of people who actually understand Mm -hmm. the way people learn and don't have to necessarily be subject matter experts, Mm -hmm. but know how to build knowledge and close the chasm from knowledge to building skill and behavior. So I think it's radically changed from when I originally got into the space to where it is now. And in terms of like what what my team does, what we do for the organization and the customer care side at Walmart is we really own every moment of the learner's journey. So for us, it's the agents that take contacts Mm -hmm. that come because of, you you know, you've bought something at Walmart, um, either online, pickup, delivery, had an experience in the store. So those are the people that we serve um, who ultimately serve our customers. And so we take care of them from the moment that they are hired and come in for their onboarding. Mm -hmm. We teach them the functional pieces of their job. But then as my team started to grow, we also are starting to take care of them in terms of things like career progression, Mm. future leaders, Mm -hmm. leadership development and skills um, that are, again, very functional in nature, meaning like for customer care specifically. We also do things to help with like the continuing education, because as you can imagine, things change Mm -hmm. so rapidly, Sure, whether that's a program or a system uh, enhancement. So all of those things we care for. And does learning and development traditionally fall within an HR umbrella? within most organizations? And does your role fall under an HR umbrella? Yeah, so that's a good question. And it really varies. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I would say that there's consistency in certain functions of L&D falling underneath HR. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, those are things that are more global skill development, global people development. So Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily focused on the in and out of doing a specific job or role, Mm -hmm. um, but it would be things like executive development, leadership development that is more like unconscious bias, conceptual in nature, usually is under HR. And then um, this is my fourth organization being Mm -hmm. in learning and development. And I would say that I've seen both where the more functional work, like what I do is in Mm -hmm. the um, operation. And then I've also seen it when I was at Verizon, where it was all centralized Mm -hmm. under one umbrella that was HR. And, you know, I think there's benefits to to both. The hard part about any centralized organization, though, is always for the smaller lines of business or channels or ones that aren't just revenue generating, right? Getting prioritized. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, well, and I think it's interesting. You mentioned how your role, not only are you working on learning and development for the functional piece, but now you have taken on that career development Mm -hmm. side um, for the individuals that fall under the customer care umbrella. Mm -hmm. And so that really tees us up to talk about you personally have experienced in your career, as well as for yourself, and then as well as training, how to approach challenging Mm -hmm. conversations. So I want to start by asking you, when you are faced with a difficult, challenging conversation that you need to have in the workplace, do you have any specific steps that you're taking when getting ready to frame that up with the other person? Yeah, I think that there's some very tactical things, which I'll talk about before you go into that kind of interaction. But I think what's really important to talk about first is your mindset Mm. about challenging conversations. Because I know in my infancy part of my career, right, when I was just getting started, I thought, like many people do, that a challenging conversation, conflict, that it was was bad. Mm -hmm. It should be avoided. Yep. Like, I wanted to stay away from it. I didn't want to have it. I thought that it was potentially hurtful or I was hurt. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes when it was not always like positive feedback. So I think that one of the most important things that you can do before you start having challenging conversations or that conflict and confrontation is having a paradigm shift. Like we've got to realize that conflict and confrontation and you really are caring enough to confront because it's easier to avoid. Yes, it is. And yeah. you don't invest time or energy mm-hmm. into things that you don't find valuable or worth your time. 
I have told people before, if I stop giving you yes. feedback, <laughs> that's when you should be worried. That's right. Because when I stop caring enough mm-hmm. to invest in this relationship and try and change the situation that we're in, then I've given up mm-hmm. on this relationship. Right. And that could be a personal relationship or professional. And so you're right. You've yeah. got to have that paradigm shift and start to think it may be challenging, but there's going to be a benefit mm-hmm. on the other side. Do you yeah. see it that way? Absolutely. I think it's like, like you said, it's an emotional investment. Mm-hmm. And you care about someone if you're going to have the difficult potential confrontation. Mm-hmm. And then I think you also hit on another thing that's really important is that it is it is uncomfortable and 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 discomfort though is growth. Yep. So if you can accept those two things and make that your framework, that's the first place that you have to start because every other tip, best practice that anyone can give you, if you don't believe those two things first, mm-hmm. it's just an exercise in you like using a template, you yep. know, or or doing something that isn't necessarily natural or genuine. Right. Um. So I think the get your mind in that space that in discomfort, you're growing mm-hmm. and that you care enough to have the conversation. Or if someone's having the conversation with you, it means that they cared enough about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, you know, tactically, I think that it's really important to know what what do you want to achieve? So I do try to do things like take an intentional pause, mm-hmm. uh, remove the erratic emotion, right? We're emotional beings. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot fault someone, I would never fault someone for feeling a certain way, mm-hmm. but responding from that place, I've never seen it be beneficial. Well. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't work well and it doesn't help people achieve what they want to. Mm-hmm. So, but I also think you need to be cautious to not let too much time pass. Right. So there's a sweet spot mm-hmm. with taking enough of a pause to get your thoughts together Yep, and waiting too long where it isn't fresh. Right. And it isn't, you know, you've lost time and then people's memories become muddy mm-hmm. or like. No, that's such great yeah. advice because um, I'm just sitting here and I'm internalizing this for myself and my style of leadership. And I've talked this year about um, that I've been working with a leadership mm-hmm. coach that I wanted to get be- better at being a leader. And you hit on something. I see challenging conversations as conflict. Mm -hmm. And I am working through that shift. And so what I have uh, been guilty of doing in the past is either not taking that pause or just letting way too much time go. And I'm like, well, I'm going to let you Mm -hmm. self-regulate. Right. And maybe you'll pick up on the cues that I'm frustrated and not happy. Um, And the truth is, that doesn't serve anyone. So you're right. Not mm-hmm. letting too much time pass is really important. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's about, and that's different in every situation too, which is I think where, again, you can't templatize this mm-hmm. kind of thing. There's best practices. There's things that are good to do or you know things you should avoid certainly, but there just needs to be a lot of discernment too. Like mm-hmm. look at each situation uniquely, what you want to accomplish. I am a big fan of scripting, like, mm-hmm. and not because I'm going to sound like a script, but because again, it lets me drive to my desired outcome. Mm. Because what otherwise, what happens to me, what happens to many people, is you start to babble and ramble. And then in all of that, the intent and impact of what you're trying to say, convey, or have as the outcome just it, it just mm-hmm. gets lost. Do you have notes in front of you when you have these conversations, or do you try and study them enough that you can remember them talking one on one? I like to have it where it's again just a roadmap. Mm-hmm. Cuz again, scripting when when people sound too scripted, it's <laughs> sure. It's the worst, right? Because then it feels like first of all, not genuine, right? which removes that human element. Mm-hmm. And I think also that um being too scripted doesn't allow you to be flexible and to pivot. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And, and to listen in yes. the moment, right? That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that it's good to have it as part of your own planning and comfort, mm-hmm. but not to have it. It's like a what a, a handrail, mm-hmm. not yeah. a handcuff. Right? right, right. Yeah, you. it's that roadmap so that you know where you're trying to mm-hmm. get to, that end result, but you've got enough flexibility in there yes. to hear the response from the other person and to deliver it with uh, authenticity. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So, okay, we've talked about a few things over the courses of our lunches. Mm-hmm. One of the things that came up is that 
you've observed in your career that women and men react differently to challenges, right? And Mm -hmm. you've observed when women over-index to like masculine traits, Mm -hmm. gestures, approaches to handling tough conversations and situations. So what has been that observation? Can Mm -hmm. you speak a little bit to that and and what you suggest to women that you coach and mentor Mm -hmm. about maintaining their authentic self in these challenging moments? Yeah. So I think that one of the unintended outcomes, right, Mm -hmm. of women maybe being more career focused or wanting to be on par with their male counterparts in terms of uh, opportunity and uh, hopefully outcome (laughs) is that there's a tendency to over-index, right? Where you think, I want to be successful, like potentially my male counterparts. And so I'm going to almost parody, like, or parrot Mm -hmm. what I think men are, how they show up, how they act, right? And as a result of that, I've seen where instead of being focused on maybe some of the things that are uh, more masculine or more men are more known for, like being more succinct in your communication, which is a good thing, there will be a coldness or Mm -hmm. a harshness that isn't it isn't genuine. Mm-hmm. It isn't authentic. Uh, a lack of empathy, intentionally choosing to not have empathy or to not maybe be as maternal, let's mm-hmm. say, and have that kind of instinct that naturally, right, we're different. Um, and so I think that my advice would be don't mistake some of the things that are behavioral that are just make you better or just make you a better communicator being, you know, direct. Mm-hmm and succinct and getting to the point and maybe not over apologizing or empathizing those those are just good skills mm-hmm. with having to act like a man because uh or the way that we perceive men to act because i've just seen too many women just lose themselves in that and the reality mm-hmm. is is that we if we believe that diversity having men and women and people mm-hmm. of color and and all different backgrounds is not only the right thing to do, but it's good business. Those things are true because of the diversity that the difference brings. Right, that we bring. Yeah. Right. Not mm-hmm. because we've got a bunch of people that are different, mm-hmm. that we could have, you know, diversity of thought, diversity of experience, diversity of approach, but make them all the same. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it just becomes this really superficial diversity. Right, right. It's not meaningful. And so your tip there is look at your male counterparts and observe the qualities or the characteristics, the skill sets Mm -hmm. even um, that are really strong that could improve the way you handle tough situations. But don't Mm over-index and lose yourself in the process. Yeah. I think it's so important to be still genuine Mm -hmm. and to, again, differentiate between what do you think is a trait of a male versus what is just whether it's a male counterpart Mm -hmm. or maybe it is another. That's just good behaviors. Mm -hmm. Just makes them have a really strong skill set. Yeah. So at the top of this question, you talked about opportunities and outcomes. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned that over the course of your career, you've observed that women and men raise their hand for Mm -hmm. different opportunities. And when we talked about this, I was extremely fascinated because I've seen it too. And you say that men volunteer for projects that get them experience Mm -hmm. and exposure, whereas women tend to volunteer for what? Yeah, I think studies have also shown this and I I can't quote them, but you can Google it and you'll find it. (laughs) It's out there on the the internet. Uh Yeah, But studies show that women work very hard as hard or harder in in some instances than their male counterparts, but that they volunteer for activities or projects that are maybe important, Mm -hmm. but not valued Mm -hmm. in the same way. And uh, so I can give you an example because I actually led into a little bit of a a challenging conversation is uh, we were, all of my peers and my leader are all all men. um, So I'm the only female that that sits at my VP's table. And we were starting as an organization to try to improve our communication cadence. So as a result of that, my VP wanted to uh, start to do an all hands meeting. Mm -hmm. So the question that came up on on our staff meeting was, uh, who's creative and fun? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so 
I I'm, I think I am creative and fun, Absolutely. but I also know that volunteering in that moment mm-hmm. to coordinate or be the creator of the all hands meeting while people would be like, oh, that's important. Somebody has to do it. Mm-hmm. And we see it as, you know, a good thing to do while I'm spending my time on that. My male counterparts mm-hmm. are spending time on things like reducing average handle time or putting into place business practices or processes that drive this monetized mm-hmm. value to the business. Right. So in that moment, I muted myself. Mm-hmm. I think I told you I, I muted myself because I had to fight against my own instinct to raise your hand, raise my hand, mm-hmm. my my male counterparts. God love them. They they didn't <laughs> that didn't deter the conversation from still coming back mm-hmm. to me. So uh, it was this little bit of awkwardness where you know one's like, "Oh, I'm um, I'm fun but not creative," mm-hmm. and then it's like, "Oh, well, who's both of those mm-hmm. things?" But no one wanted to point their finger right. and say, "Kate, this should be your role." But eventually, it had it got to, there. Yeah, it was like, mm-hmm. "Well, Kate, you're you're fun. Mm-hmm. You're you're fun and creative." So at that point. I, I wanted to be gracious, of course, about mm-hmm. it, uh, even though my intent was to not get roped in. But sometimes when you're voluntold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took myself off mute, said, I'm, I'm happy to help. Would you like me to take this? Mm-hmm. Yes, please. When I hung up the phone, of course, I was fired up. <laughs> <laughs> I was all kinds of hot. And, and when feisty. Kate gets fired up, I, I've been witness. I've been witness. When Kate gets fired up, she's fired up. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine. So how did yeah. you deal with this? Because it sounds like n- the place you didn't want to end up in, mm-hmm. this volunteer that position that while important, it wasn't going to be driving the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Right. And your male counterparts were going to have time to focus on something that mm-hmm. was driving the bottom line, getting them experience exposure. So how did you address this? Yeah. So I took my own good advice, which was to not immediately react people babo like an instant messaging or mm-hmm. like pick up the phone and, and call my leader and uh, use a little vent to invent, uh, mm-hmm. which is I, I think that, you know, we can be like, oh, like it's not okay to vent. No, I believe that it's super important. It's a human reaction. We have to vent. The difference is, is if you're turning it into something positive. So okay. I took my advice for a pause. Used my husband, of course, as like a like receiving end of all of my mm-hmm. your sounding <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. all of the things. <laughs> and then I um I scripted again, like using that as a best practice with I, I knew I had to address it though, because if I didn't I was going to be subjected to owning it mm-hmm. completely myself, right? I had to have the conversation. It just so happened the next day was was my one-on-one. So mm-hmm. I got all of my thoughts together. I wanted to be really intentional because the other thing, of course, I want to be mindful of is I don't want to be seen as like, you know, I'm the squeaky wheel mm-hmm. or complaining or not willing to be part of the team. So those are all the things, right? That go and we're going to talk about that as women, that we, yeah. we have these things that we juggle and think mm-hmm. through when we're thinking through challenging conversations. Ex- so that came to you too. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. And so uh, I I decided that I was going to get a, a proposal ready for my boss mm-hmm. before the next, the next morning because I was going to start with that as my segue. So I knew that if I could come to the conversation with already having an output, a solution, here's the plan, here's the solution. I'm doing what you asked, being a team player, but it also would allow me to segue Mm -hmm. to the conversation the day before that, you know, resulted in my ownership. So I led with that. And the other thing I was really intentional about was it wasn't just about me being labeled creative and fun, like after mm-hmm. reflecting on it, like, again, because I want to believe that I am creative mm-hmm. and fun. It was also about my L&D space being labeled that way, mm-hmm. because if you're only creative and fun, you're also probably able to be one of the first things that's cut or you're not mm-hmm. seen as like being business critical. Mm-hmm. And so as part of the proposal, uh, when we covered that, I had also taken the liberty of assigning all of my peers every on a rotation. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. So they could develop the skills yeah. of being creative and fun. That is absolutely mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how I positioned it. Yeah. I was like, I've taken the liberty of putting it on a rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is because I feel like this is important enough for everyone 
to participate. to participate. And I was like, again, told him, well, I believe I'm creative and fun. If others aren't, this is a great opportunity for them mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I segued into, you know, I want to talk about that labeling mm-hmm. of creative and fun. And I want to make sure that the L&D team and the L&D organization, while they are known as being creative and fun, that we're also known as being strategic and game changing changing mm-hmm. and you know critical to mm-hmm. the success uh, because we serve those who serve our customer. And so, you know, I wanted to take a moment and just let you know that it concerns me a little bit that we may only be seen this other way. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for me, I have a very in-tune leader, right? Mm-hmm. Who I believe was able to pick up on not only my concern sure. with the labeling of the team in that light. But you being voluntold and being the only one expected to handle it. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it ended up being very productive because I, I mean, I got the agreement to have it on rotation, but I also felt that going forward, I think I've set Mm -hmm. a boundary or a bar, whatever you want to call it in terms of not only the type of work that maybe traditionally Mm -hmm. women or L&D driven members Mm -hmm. have been known to do, but that were all these other things as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, And this sounds to me a bit like you were coaching your leader, you know, and, and we've talked about mm-hmm. that, having that skill set to be able to coach up as well as coach down an org chart. Mm-hmm. So you call that coaching up. Mm-hmm. Can you explain a bit more about your, that approach and, and, how a woman can incorporate that um, into her own career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say it's up, down, and sideways, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. with the peer relationship as well. So, yeah, I think it's about, and I, I know we'll probably talk about this, but I really genuinely believe that feedback is a gift. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those, like, frameworks, those those places that we operate from, too, that we have to, like, potentially challenge or think about differently. And so for me, I think about every relationship in your organization as the worthwhile investment. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it's really important that people spend as much energy, you know, coaching down, which is is easier. Mm -hmm. Sure. As coaching across with their peers and also using as an opportunity to, you know, if it's coaching, giving leader feedback, or, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's just influencing. So going down and giving coaching is, is easier because you've got a reporting relationship. So, uh, those are a little bit easier to navigate when I am going into a conversation where I feel like I need to give my leader feedback, or I want to potentially influence like where they're headed or the decision that they're going to make. I do it a lot through questions because I find that if I'm able to determine what's really important to them. I can either give that feedback Mm -hmm. or the coaching or the insight that I have based on what's most important to them. Mm -hmm. So I think any time in a peer or leader relationship, if you can ask a smart question, a smart intentional question, because again, you know where you're going, right? (laughs) You got your roadmap. It's Mm -hmm. not just like throwing it out into the, you know, wind to see where it takes you. I think that, um, you can use that. Mm-hmm. You can use the information that people tell you about what they think, what motivates them, what's important to them mm-hmm. to give the plant feedback. seeds, yeah, plant plant seeds <laughs> of feedback that, <laughs> right. you know, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking of this. So we did a podcast with a woman named Jacqueline Twilly, and we talked about um, negotiation mm-hmm. and six steps that you can take in negotiating. And one of her pieces of advice is that you've you've got to practice mm-hmm. um, when negotiating. And what's coming to mind f- for me as we're talking about these challenging conversations is it's clear when you talk about a roadmap and being intentional and knowing where you're headed this just this isn't something that's just come naturally to you. You've honed yeah. this skill over time and it is a skill and you have to start practicing it, mm-hmm. which gets back to you can't run from challenging mm-hmm. conversations if you want to grow. That's right. Mm. Absolutely. No, I don't think that these skills come naturally to any of us. Mm-hmm. We're conditioned to believe that these things are are bad or we should avoid them. So I think it's intentionally knowing that you need to go after something and then being like 
consistently consistent with practicing mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And I want to go back to what you said way earlier. Vent to invent. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that before, but that is like, that's nugget. That's a great oh, nugget. <laughs> that's gold. I'm trying to say that's gold. <laughs> I like that. Vent to invent, mm-hmm. not just vent to just get it off your yeah. chest. Well, mm-hmm. or to go down the, you know, misery loves company. You don't want to get stuck there. Right. But we have to, again, work through that emotional piece in some way. Mm-hmm. So, the decision for people becomes if they continue to just dwell in the negativity or the emotion mm-hmm. or if they pivot and move it towards, okay, now I've gotten past this, that emotional piece. Now mm-hmm. I can focus on solution path forward. Yeah. And you have to know yourself, right? You mm-hmm. have to know that you need those things. And and so talking about emotions, you were talking about like putting energy into relationships. Some relationships are aren't worth the energy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, and so how do you evaluate who gets that energy from you and and who doesn't? Yeah, well, it's just like relationships, personally, professionally, decisions about what you're going to do, not do. Like I always tell the team, like you say yes to something, you say no to something else. Mm-hmm. So I think spending energy on relationships is it's no different. We mm-hmm. all are faced with how are we going to spend our time and you know, time is the one thing you can't make more of it, right? It's the most valuable thing that you have, but it's, it's limited. I think that the relationship piece to me is prioritizing it the same way you would projects or the same way you would making decisions about what's more important. Uh, because the relationship piece, I see people again, overspend time in one area. And as a result of that, you have downstream impacts that are unintended. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's that up, down, and sideways is like the first, right? Can you give me an example when you say downstream Mm -hmm. impacts? Can you share kind of what you're thinking there? Yeah, like I've seen it where people are really good at investing in their relationship with their leader Mm -hmm. and upward, right? And But what can be unintended though is if you're spending all of your time, if you're not being balanced, you'll have teams that fall underneath them where there's no time spent. So uh, a lot of times the team dynamic culture Mm -hmm. suffers as a result of that. And while as an individual, you might move up, Mm -hmm. right? Because you've spent this energy and time here. Mm -hmm. You kind of leave a wake of destruction. Yeah, destruction Mm -hmm. and not awesomeness Mm -hmm. behind you. And I think that that's why you have to be balanced in immediately your immediate uh, upline, mm-hmm. your downline, and your peers that are in your immediate circle are where I would say you always need to spend your time equally balanced um, and prioritizing those relationships. Hey guys, I wanted to take a few seconds and ask if you've purchased your tickets to Fierce Lab. We will have Fierce Lab live on October 2nd in Dallas, Texas at Hotel Zaza. Pre-sale prices are from June 1st to June 30th. You can find those at fearslab.terawilson.com. Again, the website is fearslab.terawilson.com. Now back to the show. And going back to this thought about if I'm no longer investing in you, it's because I've given up on this relationship. Mm-hmm. So how do you work with, let's say you have peers and or up and down the line of leadership, people that you just no longer want to invest mm-hmm. in. I mean, you know, I, I kind of have this guilt around, wow, I've written this person off. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so I'm sure that, that says something about me. But, you know, you you eventually just decide, I can't put any more energy toward this mm-hmm. person. I have to conserve this energy and put it toward these people that yeah. are going to go with me to these places. Yeah. yeah, I think it's that like idea of diminishing returns, mm-hmm. right? So... When you get to the point of realizing that, again, either the relationship time that you're spending here is maybe starving, like mm-hmm. another relationship, it's a good, like you said, self-awareness to be like time out. You mm-hmm. need to do an evaluation because, again, your time is important. So where you spend it really matters. And I think that relationships, while they always are work, once you establish like an emotional bank account, mm-hmm. it will free you up to like spend energy mm-hmm. elsewhere, right? So you always have to have 
hopefully a positive balance. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> you know, but that balance can stay in that account for a while. Mm-hmm. So I also think it's about bobbing and weaving a little bit so that you're not always over-indexing on the same relationships mm-hmm. and diversifying like where you spend that time, especially like once you have something where the deposit's been made, you know mm-hmm. that that's going to stay there. Mm-hmm. You may need to, you know, bob and weave a little bit. Yeah. And go, have, pre- go yeah. spend some time with someone else that may need a little bit more of your care, attention, energy. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, this person can sustain because they know, hey, Kate cares about right. me. We have a great working relationship. She knows I've got her back, vice versa. Um, so so I'm good if mm-hmm. I don't have a tremendous amount of interaction with Kate right in this moment. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think with the relationships that, you know, to go back to your question about what about the ones that aren't worth your investment? I think that's okay, too. Mm. I think it's just getting okay with that being okay. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I wouldn't say that that means any interaction should not still be civil and sure. polite and, and all of those professional and, and all those things. But I think it's just like in, in, in your personal life, I've told you know people many times that you just have to sometimes accept mm-hmm. that you can't expect things from people that they're unable to give you. Mm-hmm. And that's true in the professional realm as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think it's about acceptance, still having civility, and of course, like working towards the common goal if and when you have to, but it's okay to you know, cut your losses, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know what, sometimes you're doing people a favor when you're like, Hey, this isn't working out. Mm-hmm. It frees them up to make a decision for themselves. Cause now they know. So I've observed a lot of women seeking approval from their peers and their leaders. How do you coach other women, either those that are under your leadership or those that you mentor to manage seeking that constant feedback. Yeah. Or approval mm-hmm. and yeah, wanting to be liked, I yes. think. Uh, so I have, I have quite a few women leaders right now in my organization where we we're talking about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's actually um, something that is happening currently in, in my organization. And I think what I see is the desire to be liked. Mm-hmm is so strong. And, you know, you'll hear me say this all the time about like any strength out of balance becomes a weakness. Mm. Any focus where you're over-focused becomes, it's it's a blind spot. So I think, again, there's some self-awareness that has to happen here. But as a result of wanting to be liked, what I see women doing is uh, signing up for things that aren't going to you know, be as valued mm-hmm. as their male counterparts. That's mm-hmm. a thing where you, I'll do the potluck. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> people are going to like me and mm-hmm. it makes me feel good to be liked. But that effort, while people may appreciate it, is not going to be valued as right. much. I think you also find that desire of wanting to be liked where bad decisions get mm-hmm. made because your intent is for them to like you. And you think that you're going to achieve that by doing whatever the ask is, Mm -hmm. whatever the ask is, isn't always the best decision. Mm -hmm. And so again, this it's, it's where we use this mechanism that we've been conditioned to believe helps Mm -hmm. us be successful. Mm -hmm. And it's actually doing the exact opposite for Mm us. So, uh, I've sat in so many like talent calibrations Mm -hmm. and I always know when I hear, he or she, she is so nice, mm. so nice. Kiss of death. But, <laughs> and then it's followed by a but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that what people, women in particular, and what I've been working with, um, with the females on my team is that you can be respected. And, and it's more important to be respected than it is to be what you would consider traditionally being liked. Mm-hmm. Because, being respected is what people are going to value in terms of, again, those skills and behaviors that they're looking for when they're looking for future leaders. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're not looking for, well, she's really nice. Now, you can be nice. Mm-hmm. And again, that goes back to that whole, like, don't over-index on trying to be, like, harsh and, and you know, mm-hmm. rough around the edges and gruff and all of those things or whatever you think it is that your male counterparts have done to be successful. But it is more important for you to demonstrate things like data-based 
decision making, mm. ability to influence, negotiate, mm-hmm. focus on a solution. You know, I always say solve, solve for solve for yes. Yep. Right. But solve for yes doesn't mean you just do whatever the ask is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that those people, again, are undermining their own efforts with this desire to be liked. Mm-hmm. I also see it where they uh, and one of my employees uh, that I've been working with very closely. She ends up like repeating herself or asking for permission mm-hmm. or when it's her decision to make mm-hmm. where she's already socialized it. And it'll be, again, so many words because mm-hmm. it there's this feeling like if I use more words, mm-hmm. it's going to make it nicer or easier for them to say yes to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think creating awareness that this is a tendency that, mm-hmm. again, I think women have having the awareness in yourself when you're yep. like, is my intent here? Am I saying yes because I want to be liked or am mm-hmm. I saying yes because it's the right decision? Mm-hmm. Um mentorship, of course, can help with that when you have Mm -hmm. someone you trust to call that out. Because the reality is most of the time they're not realizing they don't see it themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah, They're not seeing it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, the the value of a leadership coach and how Mm -hmm. a coach can help you work with and work on these instances within yourself. You know, one of the skills that I learned early on in selling is when someone gives you the yes, Mm -hmm. take it, take it, (laughs) then say, sign here, press hard, you know, and, and stop selling. But so many people continue Mm -hmm. to sell the concept. And um, it kind of goes back to, you know, also continuing to ask for that feedback or needing Mm -hmm. that ability to be like, or that affirmation. And look, work is not the place that you're always going to get all your props, you know, you know, so if you need your ego stroked, you may not get all of that at Mm -hmm. work. So recognize that about yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and learn how to, to balance it. And, you know, I, you were talking about, solving for yes, my big expression is be a solution to the problem, Mm -hmm. not the problem itself. And that's really important at my agency is that we go to our client with a resolution with, we're going to tell you no, but here are some options for Mm -hmm. you to get us to a yes. Right. And that was something I learned very early in my career. And so being able to, to offer that, um, I think is helpful. And then, this part about needing to be liked, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm glad to hear that inside your organization, you're talking about it, you're addressing it with your women leaders. I think it's something that we will focus on at Fierce Lab Live in October on our career development panel, mm-hmm. because it is also something that I'm hearing a lot of women are talking about. It's like, how how do we get past this? Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a hot topic. Yeah. Well, and I think the other outcome that I've seen of that with, I have a, I have a new leader, newer leader, um, in our organization. And she's been very like focused on, oh, I gotta like build this like relationship. Mm -hmm. I've got to build this relationship with, with, uh, the, the partner, like the client group internally that, um, she supports. And we just had a resignation on her team Mm -hmm. of a team member that was also relatively new. They started around the same time and incredibly talented talented. It's not, it's not a healthy attrition. It's, mm-hmm. It was like, we were very, very uh, sad to hear about her resignation. And in the exit interview, she talked, uh, the employee of this leader talked about how she didn't feel like her leader had her back mm. because the answer to the requester mm-hmm. was always, yes, yes, we'll do it. Yep. Mm. We'll do it. We'll get it done no matter what, because mm-hmm. our operations partners are asking for this. So we're going to go after it. And so I think for her, the really important lesson in that, aside from some of the other things we'd been working on with her self-awareness was, I literally said, I was like, you cannot sacrifice your team mm. at the altar of wanting to be liked mm. by your you know, partners or your requesters. Mm-hmm. Because also at the end of the day, in your leadership role, mm-hmm. you're the only one that can have your teams back. Mm-hmm. And can say no. Yeah. You're the only one that's within your control, but you overvalued mm-hmm. the partner liking you. And as a result of that, mm-hmm. created this 
you know, relationship that wasn't poured into or taken care of. So, Kate, okay, I I find that very difficult. To, so I'm I'm seeing it from the perspective of our agency mm-hmm. saying yes to our clients who sometimes give us kind of some unreasonable requests. And I was one of them. I, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, Kate. We all know. So, so how do how do we say no? Mm-hmm. How do I say no to you, Kate? Yeah. You know, because I didn't. Um, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't say no to yeah. you. I learned a great deal. Let's be very clear about that. I mean, I, I talk about some of my biggest professional growth came from that summer project that we yeah. worked on together. I mean, it was a very demanding project, yes. but I grew immensely from it. And I never told you no. And maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have told you no. So, <laughs> you definitely you know, but, shouldn't have told me no. Right, right. <laughs> so how do, how does one navigate that? Yeah. So I think it goes back to positioning mm-hmm. as part of it, right? Because you can say yes to something usually, right? Without mm-hmm. make, making people feel like they're not getting something. So we do talk a lot about, well, what could we have said or done versus just, the exact product on the exact timeline, mm-hmm. right? So I think it goes back to those influencing and negotiation skills. And part of it is optics, just in terms of no one wants to be known as someone who just says no. Mm-hmm. But again, if you ask the question, listen, find out what's important to that person, and then use, I don't want to say use it against them, but use it right. <laughs> right. as part of your positioning. I think that there's ways where you're saying no and still protecting you know, mm-hmm. the people that are in your tutelage, but still making the client or the partner feel like their need is served because you use exactly what they told you was important Yep, as part of the positioning. Yes. Yes. So there's a sales technique where you can say, why do you ask mm-hmm. when what? someone asks you a question? Can you get this done da, 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 by this date? OK, why do you mm-hmm. ask? Because you don't know, like you can jump right. to conclusions and assumptions about why the person is asking you the question, but you need to understand mm-hmm. why that question came up. Yeah, what's motivating them? Exactly. Yeah, what is their motivation? Mm-hmm. And then I think the other thing that you bring up, because I, I do remember, Tara, that project. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all remember the project. No. It's okay. It made us all better. Well, I know. I was, I was telling someone, I'm like, I got to tell you what. I love me some Tara Wilson because <laughs> she is a tough cookie after after dealing with me on no, that project. No, no, we, <laughs> but it, um, great growth. I think the thing too, though, is that realization that there will be seasons mm-hmm. where the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. So you're right. In that moment, you probably couldn't have said no to me. Mm-hmm. But was there another place where the workflow could ebb and flow, mm-hmm. where you might have this season where it's like you're 100% on, it's absolutely insane, you're, you know, mm-hmm. potentially burning out, right? Yep. But it can't be like that. It can't always be on like mm-hmm. that. So I also think it's about if you have the commitment of your team because you've invested in that emotional bank account with them, they can do it. You mm-hmm. can do it for a season. Mm-hmm. But it the problem is, is when it's always like that, mm-hmm. where you're always because, you, you know, you made some withdrawals during that time sure. because you had to, because in that moment it had to be yes, mm-hmm. but you had invested and deposited. Mm-hmm. So they were, you know, maybe not happy about it, but right. certainly willing to do it because of the investment that you had made previously. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, Sint Marshall is the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks, and I heard her speak once and the thing that struck me from her speech and has stuck with me is she said she had to learn the difference between her crystal balls and her rubber balls. And she said, we as women are always trying to keep all the balls mm-hmm. in the air. And you've got to know if you drop one, is this a ball that's going to shatter or is this a ball that's going to bounce? That's right. And what are your crystal balls versus your rubber balls? Yeah. And after hearing her share that, I've tried to be better about understanding, okay, I told someone I would do X, Y, and Z, but if I don't get it done by the deadline, this ball will bounce. Mm-hmm. I won't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like not keeping my word, but if I let this ball drop, it's going to shatter. and It's going to be a big issue. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting better about letting yeah. some balls bounce. <laughs> yeah, me too. I have to work on that. Mm-hmm. I, that's And I think it's maybe mm-hmm. the more of a, Type A, type A driven. personality yep. driven. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I was just having this conversation with our team as well, not the crystal rubber ball, but uh, I said, you never want a ball to drop in your court. That's kind of always been my thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to let a ball drop in your court, make sure you let people know Mm because it's intentional, right? There's a difference between balls just dropping all over the place Mm -hmm. because you just can't keep keep it all together versus to your point, I'm going to intentionally make the decision Mm -hmm. to let this ball drop because then you're still in control. That's right. You're still making the decision Mm -hmm. and it's intentional. Mm -hmm. When you don't make that intentional decision, that's where people just they start to look like they don't have it together. It's, you know, it's it's a mess. I, I truly believe in being proactive, mm-hmm. not reactive. Yes. And so that sounds a lot like being proactive yes. and letting someone know, hey, I'm not going to be able to do X, mm-hmm. Y, Z. And either here is or isn't why. Oh, you said earlier, feedback is a gift. Yes. I love that. <laughs> what do you mean by it? Share, share around that. Yeah. So this actually comes from when I was at Verizon. I had an amazing mentor. Her name is Jennifer Fishley. She's still one of the most brilliant and amazing women I've ever met in my life. And uh, that was what she instilled in me mm-hmm. was that feedback was a gift. And it's something I've always taken with me. And it's one of, uh, as part of our team's performance success measures, we have it not just based on accomplishment, but also how. It's not just what we get done, but it's how we do it. And one of those operating framework pieces we have is that feedback's a gift mm-hmm. because I want to build the belief and the culture that, again, it takes energy mm-hmm. for someone to give you feedback. Yep. So that means that they had to spend, again, time or effort or something in order to provide that to you. Mm-hmm. So if you believe that it's a gift, I also think that you can give it as a gift. Mm-hmm. And that makes those challenging conversations, while not always easy, possible, I think, as well, because, again, you know that you're coming from a place that is caring. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, I think, is if you believe that feedback is a gift, I mean, here's the deal. You can't get better if mm-hmm. you don't know. Right. Right. You can respond to zero percent of feedback. Mm-hmm. that you don't get. Right. And it's easy to take feedback when it's positive or if it's negative and it's given in a really like, you know, Terse nice man. package. Oh, oh, <laughs> like, oh. like mm-hmm. you know, like, right, sure. like where it's like maybe a little sugar coated mm-hmm. or just like still feels good, even though it's constructive. But I think the real challenge is having this as part of our value system allows us to take feedback even when it's not given. Mm-hmm nicely or the way we would prefer or when it's not the things that we want to hear. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that builds resiliency. Yes. And so uh, we work really hard to build a culture of feedback. I frequently, to demonstrate that, will ask my team. uh, I'll go to my team and say, hey, I sent this email or I'm going to send this email. Mm -hmm. You guys can coach me on this. Mm -hmm. What, you know, so I think that there's a lot of people say a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But living that out is more difficult. And so we look for ways that we can give each other yeah, feedback. That's interesting feedback. that you seek it out even from your team so that you All can improve. <laughs> mm-hmm. Literally just yesterday, mm-hmm. I asked, I was on my way to uh, uh, meet some coworkers afterwards and I called one of my employees. Did you get a chance to see that email? He's like, the one where you said, coach me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you I meant like, it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to shrink and shy away from feedback and to your point when it is harsh and it's it's hard to hear mm-hmm. when it it comes straight at you <laughs> with no chasers and but you're you're right it builds resiliency mm-hmm. or tough skin or mental toughness yeah. I've just recently started um increasing my workouts again and and if I'm out on the trail running and it's yucky and hard. I'm just like, but Tara, dig deep because you're building mental toughness because, you know, it's just so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be able to muddle through the hard stuff. I, I talked recently, Chelsea Adams was in for a podcast interview and we, we kind of did an in conversation with and we talked on this subject. Uh, you know, it's it's really easy to shy away from the hard seasons mm-hmm. of life. Who doesn't? Nobody. I mean, I'd love it if it was always rainbows and unicorns, but that's not how life is. Mm-hmm. And things are going to fly at you 
in moments that you weren't expecting it. You know, I mean, you can't always be warned, hey, I'm going to be giving you some feedback. Like you Mm -hmm. said, it can't come in this sugar-coated package. So being able to take it and then work with it, that's Mm -hmm. the other thing. I've had to work on being able to work with the Mm -hmm. feedback, not just hear it, but actually be like, okay, I can improve in this. And, you know, I'll talk a lot about when I'm the common denominator in something. Right. I try and recognize (laughs) that. I'm like, ooh. You know, I'm seeing this pattern and I'm the common denominator. It's time that I get some help kind of thing. Yeah. I love what what you were saying about like working out because it really does apply that discomfort that we were talking about in any of these conversations, the the hurt, the initial hurt Mm -hmm. or sting that can come with things. It's no different than working out a muscle. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, when a muscle is sore, something good is happening. Mm hmm. And so I think if you use that same idea again to any of these situations, your like discomfort, the sting in something, and you mm-hmm. see that as just a muscle getting stronger, Yep. then again, you can be very resilient and take a lot when you're able mm-hmm. to look at it as opportunity yep. versus punishment. You know, LeBron James um, was recently talking on The Shop, his show, about how people... There are a lot of people that aren't good with uncomfortable situations, Mm -hmm. discomfort. They're unwilling to go to the wall, he calls it. And, you know, this is a situation where when you're in a professional setting and you're getting this feedback and it's making you uncomfortable, just think to yourself, I'm building that Mm -hmm. muscle or think of it like a pro athlete. I'm willing to go to the wall on this and take it in and grow from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've Mm -hmm. worked really hard to when... To get used to saying things like, thank you, when someone gives you feedback <laughs> mm-hmm. or, you know what, I'm going to think about that or something that, again, doesn't allow you to get into that emotional response mm-hmm. because there's so much power in pause. I wish we all used it more. Mm-hmm. But when you take a moment, like you said, you receive feedback and you don't just hear it, but you have an opportunity to self-reflect or take a pause. I always tell my team, you don't have to take all of it, Mm -hmm. but there's usually something of value Mm -hmm. in there. You maybe just have to find it. And then the rest of it, you can throw it away. But Mm -hmm. take the time to see what truth there can be in that Mm -hmm. and and how you can use it to make yourself better. Mm -hmm. You also use um, the expression or you have said that you know that the biggest decisions about your career are made when you're not in the room. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I heard that Carla Harris did uh, like Makers mm-hmm. podcast. I, I think that that might have come from her, but it's so true in terms of all of the important decisions of your career are done when you're not in the room. Mm-hmm. It's done in those conversations where the door is closed. It's a select audience and people are talking about, you know, your performance, mm-hmm. your potential. That goes back to the importance of investing, mm-hmm. uh, but also making good decisions about what you volunteer for, mm-hmm. because it's the exposure again and experience mm-hmm. that comes up in those conversations. So making sure that you're signing up for things mm-hmm. that are giving you opportunity, exposure, mm-hmm. experience, it just reinforces how important it is that you know, my female counterparts out there start yeah. to really make sure you're being intentional about what you're signing yourself up for. Well, and and you talk about you're working with your team to mm-hmm. grow these and develop these muscles. Um, and so it's like being willing to, ha- to have these uncomfortable conversations with your leaders so that they know you're up for the challenge mm-hmm. When they're, when your leader is in the room and you're being spoken about and someone says, you know, she's nice, but, mm-hmm. and your leader's like, no, 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 let me, you know, right. the leader can have your back because you've been willing to be a part of these. That's right. This development. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's so important to make sure. And that's where, when we talk about as well, like the investment in, our, in this relationship, but then going and spending time somewhere else because you have to have like it has to be wide and deep in mm-hmm. your relationship experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to figure out, you know, when you're saying yes to one relationship, no to something else. When do you pivot? Mm-hmm. When's the right time? How do you make sure that you're investing in all the right places, even though you can't do it all at the same time? Mm-hmm. This question is really kind of about negotiation. And I 
I know how you handled something within your team. And I really want you to tell the story because I think it's amazing. And we're going to say it kind of has to do with an uncomfortable conversation, but you had some team members that came to you and, and wanted to talk about like exceeding expectations and added compensation that, that they felt they were exceeding expectations Mm -hmm. and therefore they wanted additional compensation. Yeah. Would you explain how you handled that situation? Because I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. So this is another one that probably was uncomfortable for them, but I think that they learned something as a Mm -hmm. result of it. But uh, I think that some of this comes as well from, I don't know if it's like because we've had social media, so people are used to getting you know, likes or, mm-hmm. or, or this kind of like validation yes. all the time. Right. But there's definitely been some societal things that have happened and differences in, in generations that I see this trend where people are like, well, why am I not exceeds? Mm-hmm. Right. Because I did more work than I did last year than any year. So we're at this team meeting and this question is coming up with a a new group that's reporting to me. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's do this. Let's talk about all the things that you do in your job, right? Mm -hmm. That that's part of your job, part of your role. So we white whiteboarded or put it on an easel chart. And then on another easel chart, uh, it was like, so what you're telling me, these things are all a part of your job expectations. Yes, have complete and total alignment. And I said, and you're also telling me that you did these things last year. Not only did you do these things, but you did them well. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's exactly right. So like, why am I not getting an exceeds? Mm. And I was like, on the other chart right next to it, I'm like, okay, so let me me talk about a couple of things in terms of the reciprocity of this relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So like you get, and we listed like, what are your benefits? Okay, you get a paycheck, you get, you know, flex PTO, unlimited PTO, you get benefits packages, you get bonuses, you get stuff, all these things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so when you tell me you did this side, Mm -hmm. all of it, and you did it well, Mm -hmm. what you need to realize is that in return for that, I upheld my (laughs) end of the bargain and did this. We upheld our end of the bargain. You got all of these things. And I think it was just this like aha moment Mm -hmm. for the group where they were like, Oh, mm-hmm. well, when you put it that way, I was like, because you see, if you weren't doing these things or you were, were doing these things, but not well, all this goes away mm-hmm. <laughs> on this side. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just had a really rich conversation about meets expectations is it's not it's not bad. Right. And you're not not getting something mm-hmm. in return. I think that people miss that mm-hmm. and and everyone kind of wants this validation or a, I went above and beyond and in actuality if you look at it you just did, did your what job. you're paid to do right mm-hmm. like we mm-hmm. have this yeah. symbiotic relationship where yeah. you provide a service mm-hmm. and in return you get all of these things right right yeah. well i just think that's really important because you're right um there is this sense of I want more. I want more. You know, I handled all these things this year. Mm -hmm. And yes, maybe I handled more than I did last year. But but to your point, show me where you're going above and beyond Mm -hmm. where you're where you truly are exceeding Mm -hmm. You're 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 meeting expectations, which is great. We love that. Right. That's what we want. (laughs) But that's also what you're paid to do is meet those expectations. Exactly. But show me where you've stepped above and beyond Mm -hmm. that. And it often needs to be tied to how did you move the business forward? That's right. It can't just be the soft, fluffy stuff. Though the exceeds expectation has to move the business Mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. And it has to be out of your job scope, really, Mm -hmm. right? Out of what would be just like today's day to day or you know, the other thing I think people struggle with is that business moves so fast. Mm -hmm. And so there's this uh, pitfall, I guess I would say, where people say, well, like this didn't used to be part of my R&R, but like Mm -hmm. spaces change and like roles evolve and there's new work streams all the time. And I think that people also misunderstand when new work stream comes in or new expectations or processes, Mm -hmm. that that is also above and beyond because that's, that's not. It's just the evolution of your job, of your job. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we always talk about like if last year we meet expectations and you do the same thing this year, you're at risk for being below expectations mm-hmm. because 
the world, the marketplace, our team changes too We've fast evolved. to stay the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to I have think it that's really be above and beyond. valuable stuff. I really do. Because I think in, in today's world, uh, we're not hearing how to position mm-hmm. ourselves and know what is considered exceeds expectation. Yeah. And that's really helpful. Kate, this has been great. I've loved it, but I'm not going to let you go without asking the question that I ask every woman that comes on this podcast, mm-hmm. which is what does the word fierce mean to you? Yeah. So I think the word fierce or to be fierce is about knowing who you are and what you want. And I think that it means to be consistent and intentional about going after that. Mm. Some people might say that, you know, when you're fierce, you you don't have fear. Or it's like without fear or without doubt. And I actually think that it's knowing that you're going to have challenges mm-hmm. and obstacles and acknowledging that you might be scared mm-hmm. and you might have a lot of self-doubt but you go after it anyhow. It's like, despite those things, mm-hmm. you still show up and are consistent and intentional. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's what fierce is. Mm. And you know what? There is no doubt that you are a fierce woman. You fit that descriptor. This has been a, a great conversation. Thank you for lending your expertise and and sharing with our audience so many rich insights into how to deal with challenging conversations. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Good. Anytime. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fierce Lab. If you did, I would appreciate it if you would subscribe and maybe share it with a friend. You can always follow us on Instagram at Fierce Lab.